This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour two of Sportsnet Today on this Thursday. Logan Gordon along with you. Coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio in Calgary, Alberta. Getting set for a Thursday night matchup between the Kings and the Flames. 8.30 puck drop tonight. Second meeting of the season between these two teams. Flames with a 6-5 win back in November. Now they'll finish off this road trip with uh, the Kings tonight and the Ducks tomorrow. And thought it'd be a good chance to uh, check in on what's going on with the Flames Pacific Division rivals in L.A. And to do that, we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in uh, from the L.A. Kings, manager of editorial content for them, Zach Dooley, on this Thursday afternoon. Zach, thanks for doing this, man. How are you? Yeah, doing well, man. We're just, you know, battling here. It was, uh, it was 45 degrees yesterday morning, um, which is pretty harsh for us here in L.A., so just trying to make the best of that, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's good uh, Good for you guys. Try your best to uh, only put on one sweater if you have to go outside. I know it's tough. Uh, we're sitting at about minus, I think it's about when you do the calculations, it's about minus 20 Fahrenheit out here at the, at the best of times the last couple of days, so... Uh, if you guys need any uh, cold weather tips, make sure to give us a call, hey? Yeah, you know, I appreciate it. Uh, maybe some recommendations on, like, winter jackets and whatnot. <laughs> uh, I'm just, just happy that this is a home game tonight. That's, <laughs> I think that's the moral of the story. Yeah, no kidding. I think I think the Flames are probably happy there in L.A. as well. Uh, talk to me about the Kings, man. Uh, Three-game winning streak for the team right now. They're coming off wins against Boston, San Jose, and Anaheim. They're uh, trying to chase down the Vegas Golden Knights for top spot in the Pacific Division so far. Yeah, you know, the the word of the year, to be honest, has been inconsistent when it comes to the Kings. You know, a three-game winning streak right now, had a four-gamer earlier in the year. And when the Kings play the way that they're capable of, you see a really good team that you say, you know what, this, this team has taken a step from where they were last year, but far too often they've kind of given it back the next time out. They'll follow up a really strong win with a disappointing loss. And that's kind of been the story of things so far. Uh, the hopeful status right now is maybe that Boston game can be, you know, a bit of a turning point for the group in the right direction. They, they came back from two goals down against a team that has not, or had not lost in, in regulation at home. They got the shootout win over the Bruins. And since then they've played really good hockey here at home against teams like Anaheim and San Jose. And they've, been more responsible defensively. They've been a little bit harder to play against. And you're seeing it in the results because that's the way that the Kings have to play to win hockey games right now. Sounds as though Phoenix Copley is going to get the starting goal for the Kings tonight. And goaltending's been one of the issues for the Kings this season. We remember not long ago, Cal Peterson was a, a bit of a surprise name on waivers before he was sent down to the American Hockey League. How has uh, Phoenix Copley come in and, and sort of solidified things for this group? I mean, that's exactly what he's done, right? Like, he's been calm and he's been confident. Those are the two words that we've heard all the time to describe the way that Copley has played. And he's not a goalie who has a ton of movement in his game. He kind of makes himself a big presence, 
he just kind of stands there and says, hey, I'm going to stop the puck on the first try and then see what happens on the rebound. And in a lot of ways, his style, very simple and basic, has been exactly what the Kings have needed. He's been a, a stabilizing factor for the Kings. He's played confidently since he's come up, and he's instilled a lot of confidence in the group in front of him. And other than, you know, one period in Buffalo where the Kings got stung for six goals, they've played very well in front of Phoenix Copley. And I think at least some of that has to come from the fact that he's brought this calming and confident presence in net, and you're seeing it in the results. He's 5-1-0 and from his six starts. 35 games into the season, you mentioned inconsistencies, one of those things that they've battled. Goaltending has been up and down at times for them. Do you have a, a good sense what this team is 35 games into the season, Zach, or are they still sort of developing that? I think they're still developing it. You definitely have a good sense of what they can be because when they win, you know, they've, they've had some really good performances against good teams. You see the style of play and the identity that you want the Kings to have. They just haven't brought it over that consistent extended stretch of games yet. And that's the thing with inconsistency is you can't just say, oh, they played well tonight. They're fixed. This isn't how it works. You have to see it over a couple of weeks where it's, Seven out of eight games, they play the way that that you want them to play. And I think that's maybe the most troubling part right now for the Kings is they've had those inconsistencies. So you can't quite say this is the team that the Kings are at this point in the year. But having said that, you know, they're six games over 500. They're, you know, they're within striking distance of the division. They're sitting in a playoff spot. So through all that, it's been pretty good despite the inconsistencies that they're still able to bank points and put themselves in a pretty good spot here heading into the holiday break. Talk to me a bit about Kevin Fiala. 35 points in 35 games. He leads the Kings in scoring. Um, obviously, it was a huge acquisition in the offseason, but did did the Kings and the people who watch this team on a consistent basis really think that Fiala would come in and be this big of an impact maker for the team when they acquired him from Minnesota in the offseason? I think they certainly hope that he would. Um, I mean, he is, he is absolutely a dynamic, you know, playmaking forward. He's been exactly what the Kings have needed. Um, Kings have always been known kind of for their defensive style of play, but goals scored were an issue last year and goals, you know, goals created a big part of that. And Fiala has been a bit of that missing link. You know, when he has the puck, he is, you know, as dynamic of a, of an offensive player as the Kings have had, in some time and it took him a little bit of time to kind of click on that first line uh started out the year with kopitar and kempe who played together for most of last year and it didn't quite work he moved down in the lineup and kind of was the alpha dog of his own line for a while and that's when he started to really produce offensively now he's back up with kopitar and with kempe again and they're starting to produce and i don't know if you saw the goal he scored last time out against anaheim but it was a really, really good individual effort where he was so strong on his edges and with his skates, with his upper body strength, to shrug off a couple of defenders and kind of while he was off balance, still made a quick move on a bit of a partial breakaway to kind of ice the game. And those individual moments of brilliance are plays that few players in the league can make. And the Kings have been really fortunate to have one of those guys in Fiala. We uh, go back to last season with me a bit, and uh, we in Calgary here, we're all cheering for the 
uh, LA Kings in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs to <laughs> somehow upset the Edmonton Oilers. And they pushed him to seven. And a lot of people wondered what that series might have looked like if Drew Doughty was a part of it. He's back this season. We know him very well in Calgary from all of his moments with Matthew Kachuk. But tell me from a, a guy that watches the LA Kings on a consistent basis, Zach, just how important number eight is to what this team uh, wants to be when they're at their best. Yeah, when we were there earlier in the year, you, you heard all those, uh, they were Drew chants, right? From the fans, was, I think they were saying Drew every time he touched the puck. So they're very familiar with, uh, with Drew Doughty in that building. But what I think is underappreciated when it comes to Drew Doughty is how much pride he takes in the defensive side of his game. And if you look at, you know, his depression metrics and his shot attempts and scoring chances against and his goals against, he's among the better guys in the league in doing that. And, you know, I think a lot of times the, the hype kind of gets drawn around the, the offensive numbers from the blue line with the way that the position's kind of trending. But Dowdy still takes a lot of pride in shutting down top players on opposing teams. You know he always gets up for those matchups. And if you look at the pairing that he's on with Mikey Anderson, who's very much a stay-at-home guy, you know, Drew's still producing decent totals offensively. But his defensive numbers have been very good once again, as they were last year when he was in the lineup. You certainly do kind of wonder, hey, what could this group have done in the postseason? Were Dowdy healthy? You know, was Victor Arvidsson healthy for that series? Two big guys who are missing. And he, his importance kind of can't be understated for this team, you know, because of all the different things that he does, especially on the defensive end and the, the number of minutes that he plays for the Kings. Talk to me about some of the young guys uh, on this team that have started to come up. The Kings have uh, such a riches of, of young talent in the organization. Some with the Ontario Reign, who just happened to be in Calgary, taking on the Wranglers the last couple of nights that we've seen Quinton Byfield and some of the other guys. But some of them have started to graduate, Zach. And I think the first guy that comes to mind for a lot of people is is Gabe Velarde. He scored uh, 13 goals already on the season. And some of these Kings prospects are starting to find their footing in the NHL and starting to have more of an impact for Todd McClellan. 100%. I mean, Velarde has to be the first guy that comes to mind, the way that he kind of came out of the gates. Like, coming into training camp, he wasn't even, you know, a guaranteed player to make the roster, let alone the opening night lineup. And his play from the first exhibition game on commanded a spot in the lineup. And he not only worked his way in, but he worked his way on the third line, played with, Quinton Byfield and Alex Iafalo. He started off really, really hot out of the gates, worked his way out of the first power play unit, eventually into the top six. And he kind of realized a lot of that offensive potential that everyone knew was there. He just hadn't quite put together at the NHL level so far. He's a little bit colder as of late. I think he's gone nine straight without a goal. But he's starting to develop some other parts of his game as well, a B game, if you will, to where he can still contribute on nights when he's not scoring, when he's in a little bit of a slump as he is right now. So he's still producing, you know, good things for the Kings, even if the goals have dried up a little bit as of late. But even if you look at his numbers on the course of a full year, 13 goals at this point, believe it still leads the Kings. You know, he's been a really important player, and it's been great to see him realize a little bit of that potential and kind of stresses the importance of patience when it comes to some of these younger guys coming up through the ranks. When I think of young guys coming up in the ranks, I always think of guys that are going to be important in their development in the organization. The first guy that comes to mind in L.A. is obviously Andre Kopitar, 
He's the captain. He does so many important things for this group. But one guy that uh, we've talked a lot about here in Calgary since he's become a member of the Kings, Zach, has actually been uh, Philippe Deneau coming over from Montreal and the importance that he has as a two-way player down the middle. It's kind of nice for the Kings to have Kopitar and Deneau in the lineup right now because it kind of shelters those young guys but also gives them somebody to look up to and two really solid pros who know what it takes to win at the NHL level. Yeah, no doubt about it, right? Um, if if Kopitar and Deneau are playing the most effective versions of their game, they're 200-foot players who don't cheat at the defensive end in order to create the other way. They're, they're taking care responsibly of their own end, but they're still able to produce offensively. I think you saw that. I think Deneau had 27 goals last year while usually playing difficult matchups, you know, going the other way. So he's kind of formed a, a good relationship with Trevor Moore on the second line. You know, Moore is a little bit of an under underappreciated player, but he has those same two-way tendencies and broke out offensively in the second half of last year. The two of those guys, whether it's with Victor Arvidsson or Alex Iafalo as the second, or excuse me, the third member of that line, they've been a really big part of the, of what the Kings are doing because it gives the, the team another matchup center um you you have no issue putting either Kopitar or Deneau out there against any opposition that the other team might have it gives you the ability to match up very confidently against two lines not just one and that's really important because then it maybe frees up a guy like a Velarde or an Arthur Kaliev or whoever else is on that that third line to maybe get some easier matchups and to be able to ease them in and get them feeling confident without having to defend the best players on the other team. And I agree with you that that's pretty important. Talk to me about what this team might need as the season goes on. It feels like they've been connected or at least around a name like Jacob Chikrin uh, since he's asked for a trade out of the Arizona Coyotes now. But I obviously don't want to put you on the spot and say, hey, is that the guy? But is that something that the team recognizes as maybe something they might want to add, that impact kind of blue make, blue liner on the back end that can make a difference and maybe ease some of those minutes on a guy like Drew Doughty? He's certainly the trendy name going around right now, and he's going to be tied to the Kings, I think, as long as he's on the market because he's a left-shot top four D. And if you look at the way that the Kings' blue line is broken down right now, they're playing four right-shot defensemen on most nights. Um, they have Mikey Anderson, who the, the organization's really high on playing on the top pair with Doughty. They have Alex Edler, a veteran that I'm sure you guys up in Calgary are quite familiar with with his time in Vancouver. He's been kind of a, a third-pairing or maybe second-pairing depth guy. But the Kings have played either Sean Derizzi or Sean Walker on the left side for the bulk of the year. You know, both guys who can create offensively, both guys who, who have shown that they're quality NHL players. But the Kings have kind of lacked that lefty-righty alignment on the back end. So if you look at a Chikrin, and obviously he's producing quite well here earlier in the year since he's come back from injury with Arizona. You know, he obviously makes some sense, um, but it's not necessarily just him. You know, I think ideally, yeah, a left-shot defenseman is something that the Kings might want to add, um, whether it's him or whoever else might be available. Um, cap space obviously very tight with the Kings, as it is for just about every team around the league, it feels like, but that's probably the area that they would, would want to address should a trade be made. I always like asking these questions whenever we get a chance to uh, to talk to somebody that uh, watches the other team a lot. But uh, if you were a Calgary fan that doesn't watch LA on a consistent basis, outside of the 
the star players, the ones that we talked about a lot, Fiala, Kopitar, who's maybe somebody under the radar to watch out for on the King side of things this season? I'm going to say Blake Lozat. Um, centers either the third or fourth line most nights. You know, he is not a big player by any means. Um, not a guy that you're going to look at and say, we got to lock out for 46. But then you see him play, and he is just a ball of energy. Like, you know exactly what you're going to get every night from Blake Lozat. And that's just, like, aggressive energy. He's going to give you an honest effort every night. He plays in the penalty kill, tenacious on the forecheck. He's not afraid to go into battles in the corner with guys who are seven or eight inches taller than he is. And he's a guy that you brush aside when you don't really know him play, and then you start to see him out there, and you're like, man, like, this guy is really important. He just drags other players into the game from an energy standpoint with how much energy he brings himself. He's kind of become an important part of the bottom six for the Kings with how aggressively and how passionately he plays the game. And I think he's a guy that if you watch him play, you know, you see what he brings in certain situations, you start to realize how important and how effective he is. So that's kind of my under the radar guy who just seems to bring it every night in maybe a little bit of a lesser known role than, than the guys that you mentioned. Uh, last one for you. I got to ask the the biggest transaction news that we've had recently from the Kings was uh, the re-signing of Trevor Moore. He gets a, a nice contract extension from Rob Blake, and he's really become a, a key part of this team over the last couple of years, stemming from that Jack Campbell trade. And uh, what a, a nice extension for him! Four point two million dollars gets a nice raise for the twenty seven year old. Tell me about uh, what made it so easy for Rob Blake to want to sign this guy to an extension. And he's really found a home in the top six uh, with the Kings over the last year or so. And if you looked at his production up until about the new year last year, you'd say, yeah, there's no way this guy would get a $4 million contract. He, he just wasn't producing at that rate. And then at New Year's Eve, when the Kings played Philadelphia, you know, McClellan and the staff moved him onto a line with Phil Deneau and Victor Arvidsson. And he's absolutely taken off from there. I think if you look at his last 82 games played, I think he has something like 60 or 65 points. And it's almost all come since he's kind of been given that bigger role in the lineup. And Todd McClellan actually took a lot of responsibility for Moore's lack of production, saying, like, we never gave him that opportunity to play in a top six role. He finally did, and he's excelled at it. He's producing offensively without sacrificing the other way. He really fits the way that the Kings want to play the game. He plays the right way. Rob Blake has praised, you know, his leadership qualities on and off the ice. So it made a lot of sense to lock in a player like that who really wanted to be a part of the L.A. Kings. You know, it's not why he got the extension necessarily, but it doesn't hurt that he's a local kid. He's from Southern California. He grew up here. He grew up rooting for the Kings, which just kind of adds that cherry on top to what's been a really good story for a guy who really, you know, less than 12 months ago, you wouldn't have seen an extension like this coming. So great for him for kind of becoming – a part of that secondary core here with the Kings and earning himself uh, a nice contract extension. Zach, thanks so much for the time tonight on a game day. Really do appreciate it, man. Great insight uh, on the Kings. I know we'll uh, chat down the line again coming up soon as uh, these two teams never have a shortage of meetings during the regular season. Uh, do my, Hey, do us a favor. Try to stay warm out there. I know it's going to be pretty cold at the rink down there tonight, but if you're uh, able to stay warm, we'll chat with you again sometime soon, hey? Appreciate it, man. I got the winter gloves ready for the drive-in. Uh, appreciate you kind of checking up on me. <laughs> Take care, Zach. Thanks, man.
There you go. Zach Dooley joining us uh, down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, giving us an inside look at the Los Angeles Kings. They're the opponent of the Calgary Flames tonight. Uh, he's the manager of editorial content for the Los Angeles Kings. And yes, uh, winners of three straight are the LA Kings. Wins against Boston, San Jose, and Anaheim. Uh, Flames, of course, with a two-game winning streak of their own with wins against the Sharks on Sunday and on Tuesday. He joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline where all of our guests come down. Uh, news for today as far as the Flames go. Optional morning skate, Dan Vladar, the first goaltender off the ice today. That's a usual uh, indication that he will get the start tonight. So he is your projected starter with a record of 5-4-2. and two. A 2.81 goals against and a 905 save percentage. He'll go up against Phoenix Copley, the third string goaltender for the LA Kings, but he's come in and really stabilized things since they sent Cal Peterson down to the American Hockey League. He's got a sterling 5 1 record this year, 2.43 goals against and a 912 save percentage. Another late one tonight. Uh, we got you covered here as far as Flames coverage goes. Hockey PDO cast is at 3 this afternoon. Uh, special edition of Sportsnet today with Ryan Pike and Aaron Vickers. So you don't want to miss that at 4. They'll keep you uh, going with Flames coverage. And then Vickers will join Pat and Wes Gilbertson for uh, a live edition of Flames talk at 5. Wes is going to come with you. Uh, and join the program from L.A., so you don't want to miss that one. And then Vickers will uh, keep with Steinberg from 6 till 7 when puck drop, or when pregame, I should say, gets underway. It's 7 o'clock tonight, Flames and the Kings. That'll be Lubardius and Steinberg on Flames warm-up. Lou and uh, Derek will call the Flames and the Kings at 8.30 right here on Sportsnet 960 the fan will uh, dive into that and a little bit more as we close out hour two of Sportsnet today. Coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour two continues here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It is Sportsnet today. Logan Gordon along with you, Cam and Taylor in the other room. The outstanding duo of producers slash board ops. Flames game day. Coming up in seven hours time. 8.30 start. Flames and Kings. Dan Vladar, your projected starter for the Flames. Phoenix Copley for the Los Angeles Kings. Thursday action underway already on the NHL schedule. An early afternoon matchup between the Flyers and the Maple Leafs. And despite being thoroughly outplayed in this one, the Flyers were the ones that took a one nothing lead. Looking to shoot it was Hayes. Centering in front, they score! Shot from Tony D'Angelo. And the Flyers draw first blood on the power play. Tony D'Angelo, his fifth of the season on the power play. 4-17 into period number one. Gave the Flyers a 1-0 lead in this one. D'Angelo playing well, which likely means he is next up in line to be scratched by John Tortorella. I'm only half kidding about that. Leafs have outplayed them through uh, almost 40 minutes of play this afternoon. Shots 24 
for Toronto, just seven for the Flyers, but it was a former Flame who was able to get the scoring opened for Toronto. I'd have exaggerated that just a bit. Marner to the line, dropping it back, and now here's Matthewson on the left wing going wide. He circles the net, works to the near wall, still with it. Back to the point, Marner. Saucer to Matthews. Down low and into the corner. Gets it returned. Two times it comes back now to Engvall. Back to the point. Penalty is over. A shot. Scores! Yardcook in front of the net. On a beautiful deflection of a Mitch Marner pass. And the game is tied. Yeah, remember Kelly Yarncroak? Don't blame me if you don't. But the former Flame ties things up. His sixth of the season. That's 1650 of period number two. Yarncroak from Marner and Engvall. And this one is tied at two with just a few minutes remaining before we head to the second intermission. That's your only early game on the schedule. Everything else gets going uh, this Thursday evening at 5 o'clock, including the Hurricanes and the Penguins. Two really good teams uh, battling it out there. Hurricanes 26-6. and six. The Pens under Mike Sullivan this year, 19-9-4. and four. You've got a battle of New York tonight as well. Islanders and the Rangers. Sens and Capitals from Ottawa. Jets Bruins coming up a little bit later on tonight as well. In the Pacific Division, you've got uh, two other games tonight. Kraken taking on the Vancouver Canucks at 8 o'clock from Vancouver as they uh, finish off their home schedule before the Christmas break. And then the Minnesota Wild are in San Jose to take on the Sharks, who, of course, dropped their last two to the Calgary Flames. Sharks sitting at 10, 18, and 6 on the season. Uh, Also tonight, Thursday Night Football kicks things off in Week 16 of NFL action. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets. Jags 6-8, and eight, currently sitting second in the AFC South. And the Jets, with a 7-7 seven and seven record, are last in their division. But as we take a look at the AFC playoff picture, this is a big game for both teams if they want to remain in it. Obviously, no division title coming for the Jets in all of this with how good the Dolphins and the Bills have been. But the Jets just sitting on the outside looking in. The Dolphins are 8-6, and six, taking on the Packers this week. So whichever team comes out of this with a win, hopes that the Patriots will fall to the Bengals, hoping that the Dolphins fall to the Packers, and all of a sudden things get really tight just at the edge of that playoff picture. And don't forget, you know, the Jags at 6-8, and eight, They're not the only team there. The Steelers, Browns, and Raiders, all also with six and eight records, not out of this yet. Dolphins have fallen off the last couple of weeks. They're not catching the Bills, but now they have to worry about being the seventh seed in the AFC. Now, like I said, some of this will deal with itself. Uh, If the Jags or the Jets lose, it's going to be harder for them to get into it. But the Steelers also play the Raiders in a crucial game this week. One of those teams will go to 7-8, and eight, barring a tie. 
and remain in the playoff picture, whoever falls to six and nine can likely kiss their playoff hopes goodbye. NFC side of things still tight as well. Commanders currently hold down that seven spot in the NFC. They're seven, six, and one, but the Seahawks and the Lions at seven and seven, right on their tails. Seahawks play the Chiefs. Lions will take on the Panthers. Lions with a chance to really make some noise in this one and uh, prove a lot of people wrong. We'll see what that means for them as the rest of the season goes on. Uh, the big news that everyone's been looking for uh, today out of the NFL came from the Philadelphia Eagles. Head coach Nick Sirianni saying that it looks like Gardner Minshew will get the start for the Eagles as Jalen Hurts is still dealing with that shoulder injury. Uh, no timeline right now for his return, but here is Ian Rappaport of NFL Network talking about the Eagles' decision to go with Gardner Minshew against the Cowboys. A better body than all of us. At least both of you guys. About me, I don't know about that, but this doesn't really matter. I think the Eagles knew. I follow you on Instagram. Really? You're Jalen going Hurts there? Would not be. Yeah, I'm going there. I okay. think uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles probably knew earlier in the week there was not a great chance that he would be out there. It's a sprained right shoulder, a throwing shoulder, certainly something you do not want to take a chance at. And look, this isn't just about this week. It's not just, well, could he, you know, maybe shoot it up and go out there and play? If it was a playoff game, theoretically, he probably could. It's not a playoff game. There is a long potential postseason in the Eagles' future. They do have a chance at the number one seed if they go out and beat the Cowboys. There's a lot more at stake than just the end of the regular season, and that's why the Eagles' James are doing the smart thing. It's going to be Gardner Minshew, no doubt about it, for at least this week. Certainly a possibility of more, depending on what happens. The only thing that really matters here is the Eagles are in the best shape possible by the time they get to the playoffs, and making sure Jalen Hurts does not play is a good way to do it. So Gardner Minshew, your starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, ahead of their matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. Big one in that, uh, of course, division race. The Cowboys still with a chance to track down the Eagles, but they'll need a win coming up this weekend if they want to do so. Eagles at 13-1. and one. Would, of course, love to make sure that they have a bye week for their quarterback to be at 100%. But his health, first and foremost for this team, uh, who already, as you heard from Ian there, hold that 13-1 record in the top seed right now in the NFC. Your uh, schedule for this week of NFL football looks like this. I mentioned the Thursday nighter tonight, Jets and Jaguars. Jets favored by about 2.5 points in that one. Saturday, December 24th, Christmas Eve, We'll see the majority of games this year, and Sunday will be packed with just uh, three games, uh, 11, 2.30, and 6.20 uh, local time here. So if you're uh, looking to watch some football all through your uh, Christmas Sunday, they've got you covered in the NFL. Packers, Dolphins kick things off at 11. You get the Broncos and the Rams at 2.30. That's not a great matchup. Uh, and then the nightcap, not as good as it could be, but still an important game for Tom Brady and the Bucks as they are in Arizona to take on the Cardinals. So three matchups that could be better on Christmas Day, but aren't. Monday nighter, Boxing Day, after you've done all your shopping, 
get home and enjoy all of your uh, fun new toys. Colts will host the L.A. Chargers. And uh, another quarterback benching in that one. It's the Colts. We're benching Matt Ryan for the second time this season. Nick Foles, the former Eagles Super Super Bowl winning quarterback, will get the start in place of Matt Ryan. So, obviously, not great news for Matt Ryan. Uh, He was hoping, obviously, that uh, a career revival might take place in Indianapolis. That hasn't happened. Colts technically haven't been eliminated from the playoffs yet, but it's almost an inevitability at this point and uh, how disappointing it's been for him since getting to Indianapolis. One piece of good news on the injury front this weekend. This one for Washington. Mentioned they're just on the inside looking out right now when it comes to the playoff picture. In the NFC, they'll get their star defensive end Chase Young will make his season debut on Saturday. Here's Ian Rappaport uh, of NFL Network one more time, this time on the return of Chase Young. Oh, it's about to change. Chase Young finally is going to play. He is off the injury report. He has been on the injury report listed as questionable basically the entire season. Uh, He has either been that or he's been on a reserve list. He has worked his way back, and, man, it has been a long road. I know all anybody's wanted was just to see Chase Young play. When is he going to play? When is he going to play? And then last week, when everyone thought he was going to play in the other game against the Giants, he didn't. He met with Ron Rivera, met with Dr. James Andrews. Instead of shutting him down, they said, you know what, one more week. Came out of that optimistic. They had a plan. He is now going to play, and this really was about him trusting the knee and making sure that he's full speed when he's out there. It is now happening. Chase Young is going to play. All right. Massive news for the Washington Commanders. They get their star defensive lineman back just in time for the playoff push. And uh, look, that's a huge one for them. They need that in the worst way, falling uh, to the Giants last week on Sunday Night Football. They'll need a, a win against the 49ers and Brock Purdy, who are at 10-4. and four on the season uh, if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive at 7-6-1. and one. That's the NFL story. Heading into uh, the kickoff tonight of Week 16. Uh, but, of course, our focus here, the Calgary Flames and the L.A. Kittens as these teams meet for the second time this season. Dan Vladar, your projected starter for the Calgary Flames. That's an interesting move from head coach Daryl Sutter. But you got to remember, a bit of an interesting schedule for the Calgary Flames the next couple of days here. So back-to-backs tonight and tomorrow in L.A. and in Anaheim. Ducks have been terrible this season. There's really no other way uh, for me to put that. You don't want that to be a trap game ahead of a Christmas break. So Jacob Markstrom, your number one goaltender, gets the start on the Friday against Anaheim. Three days off for the Flames for Christmas break. It's not a very long one for Daryl Sutter's crew. They get uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off. They're back in action at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome on Tuesday next week against the Edmonton Oilers for another edition of the Battle of Alberta. That'll be great to come off of Christmas, but then the Flames, after that game, immediately head to Seattle for another pair, of, uh, for another set of back-to-backs, I should say. So, obviously... With how well Dan Vladar has played this season, makes a lot of sense for the Flames to get him involved here. 
Uh, I think you're probably looking at a 50-50 split over the next four games for sure. Great news that Jacob Markstrom looks like he is back to his regular self. Uh, the numbers, like I said, it the, that game against San Jose on Tuesday night isn't reflective of how good he's been, and that's why sometimes you have to dive a little bit deeper. That's always what I'm trying to say is dive a little deeper than the numbers because he finishes below 900 with a save percentage. That's not great for anybody's numbers, but he only lets in three goals. I can't fault him on any of them as ones that he quote-unquote should have had. And when you needed Jacob Markstrom, he was there for the Flames. He made some timely saves, some big saves that leaded to goals going the other way for his team. That's what you need from your number one goaltender, and that's what Jacob Markstrom's been the last couple of weeks. That being said, you have to keep Dan Vladar involved. You have to keep him active. He was so good for this team while Jacob was figuring things out from a mental perspective. It's important to keep him engaged. I think giving him the more important or maybe the more significant game, maybe the tougher game for the Flames in this two-game set here, uh, I think is reflective of how the coaching staff sees him, but also with an eye tomorrow on Anaheim and knowing that the team can't afford a slip-up against one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League and one of the worst teams in the Pacific Division on Friday. How it'll work out next week, your guess is as good as mine. Could be Markstrom, could be Vidar in that game against the uh, Edmonton Oilers on the 27th. Uh, obviously, I think you're going to split things there with travel heading to Seattle the next night, but as for who is set to get the start heading into next week, I really don't know. All I know is that given the way that the schedule works out, given the way your next four games work out for the Calgary Flames, you're going to use both of your goaltenders, and that's a good thing because uh, I think both of these guys give you a chance to win if you're Daryl Sutter, and that's uh, huge news for the Calgary Flames. Optional morning skate for the team, so no word on lines, pairings, uh, who's in, who's out. Obviously, coming off of a 7-3 win, you would expect maybe things to be the same? Question mark? It'll be uh, one to watch tonight. Um, the Sharks different than the LA Kings in a lot of ways. Would I be stunned that despite a strong performance on Tuesday that Milan Lucic finds himself on a different line? No, I wouldn't be. Again, these are, are very different teams. The depth on LA compared to San Jose is considerable. There's a huge, huge difference between those two teams. So maybe you balance out your lineup a little bit differently. What does that look like? I really, again, I can't tell you. I, this team feels like they're still short a top six winger. Lucic has been great the last couple of games. And you can't deny the impact that he's had. But how long does that last? How uh, This isn't a, a full-time thing. I think that's fair to say Milan Lucic with Huberto and Kadri is not something that we're going to see for 30 or 40 games down the stretch. I don't think we're going to see it for five or six games down the stretch. The Matthew Phillips conversation is interesting too. His last game, uh, the last game out for the Flames against San Jose was his fourth straight uh, game as a scratch. The 30-day window for Matthew Phillips before having to be placed on waivers again. 
is, you know, slowly shrinking down. And I, I was curious if San Jose was a, a spot to bring Matthew Phillips back into the lineup, given what I just said about the Sharks and sort of their lack of, of depth. Does he play tonight? I don't know. I sure would like to see him against Anaheim. That's a fast, skilled team that the Ducks have. But this was the this was the crux of it all for a lot of people heading into this conversation. Was if Matthew Phillips is up, is he going to play? And so far, the answer more nights than not has been no. And the Wranglers are playing great. That's good news. But he's the AHL's leading scorer. And if he's just going to be here to sit as an extra forward or to occasionally rotate into the lineup, I don't think you're doing him any favors. Obviously, the NHL paycheck is nice for a guy like Matthew Phillips, but he's been in two games on two different lines with mixed ice time in there, some second power play unit time, but as far as five-on-five ice goes, hasn't been able to show much. So conversation obviously a little quieter when the team's won two in a row. But as that time expires on that 30 days, you just get a little bit more curious as to when we see Matthew Phillips back in the lineup. If we see him back in the lineup. Uh, Quickly, before we get out of here on this Thursday, quick update on the Leafs and the Flyers. They are through 40 minutes. Yarn Croak with his sixth of the season, the former Flame, tying this game up as the Leafs have just dominated Philly throughout this afternoon. And uh, now Mitch Marner, roughly three minutes later, his 13th of the season on the power play, has given the Leafs a 2-1 lead. In this early afternoon game, heading into period number three, Maple Leafs dominating the Flyers. Like I mentioned, shots on goal, 26 for Toronto. Uh, Philadelphia's mustered just seven through 40 minutes of play. And uh, in case you missed it last night, uh, shout out to the Calgary Wranglers and the Flames organization for uh, a great, great celebration uh, for Captain Brett Sutter. A thousand games in the NA in the American Hockey League, just the eighth ever player to do so. He scores a shorthanded goal in the victory, helps set up Kevin Rooney in the win, does it against his former team that he captained for a number of years. Uh, his wife was there, his mom was there, brother Chris was there, his kids. Obviously tough for Daryl uh, to not be there for his son for that, but uh, what a special moment for Brett Sutter. And, you know, just the the dedication to the craft and the dedication to hockey, we've, we talk to and we get to talk to a lot of interesting people in this job, and you talk to guys like Brent Cron or Mike McKenna or some of these guys that have 
you know, spent a considerable amount of time back and forth between the NHL or the AHL. And, you know, it's not as glamorous as you, you might think it would be. Yes, you're getting paid to play pro hockey, but there's a, a lot of tough nights on the bus. There's some weird scheduling in the AHL. You're always, always under the thumb of the uh, the partner clubs, the parent clubs. You know, you can be going well as a team one day, and then all of a sudden injuries hit, and your top three players have been recalled, and your team's in a free fall. And the American Hockey League can be a tough place to play, uh, a mix of veterans who love the game and want to remain playing pro hockey for as long as they can, mixing with young guys from... Europe and junior hockey and college hockey who are trying to make their name in an organization to jump up to the NHL level. It's a, it's a tough mix. And, you know, for a guy like Brett Sutter, who I don't want to say his NHL time passed him by, but I I think he came to a, a point in his career where he said, look, I'm, I'm content if all I have to sign is an AHL-only contract. I'm content with that. And I'm okay being a leader and a captain for these guys that are looking to make their NHL dreams a reality. That's a tough thing to do. You know, to, to usher in the next era for another team and essentially pass you by. Right, there will be times where I'm sure he's played with guys at the AHL level that were highly touted prospects or free agents, you know, and he saw them get opportunity in front of him. And by all accounts, he's handled every single moment of it as a true professional, as someone who loves the game. And uh, I thought it was appropriate to just take a couple moments and recognize. Uh, the ceremony that got put on by uh, the Wranglers and the Flames yesterday to honor Brett Sutter and to just talk about uh, what a great uh, person he is, what a great teammate he's been over the years, and just how lucky the Calgary Wranglers are in their inaugural season to have a guy like Brett Sutter come in there and be the team's captain. So congratulations once again to Brett Sutter on game number 1,000 of the uh, American Hockey League career, just the eighth ever player to hit that mark. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. Sportsnet Today continues next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.